Hello, everyone. We're back for episode four of My Hoops, presented by Night Hoops, the charity organization in Vancouver that strives to empower youth and communities through inclusive basketball programming. In 96, the program was initiated to provide constructive recreational opportunities for teens on Friday and Saturday nights. In 2021, during these abnormal times, we've initiated a space meant to be inclusive and support meaningful conversations around hoops. Yes, my name's Kavita Dillon. I'm Evan Simons. Thank you everybody for tuning into our fourth episode so far. We have a great guest later on. It's a beautiful day in Vancouver right now as we're recording this. So we're excited to be doing this with you guys. We have our kind of new segment here. We're going to Given an official name here. We're going to call it our Mike Tube Shot Clock. How it's going to work is Kavita on her phone right now is going to set a 30 second timer and we're going to see how much basketball Vancouver related stuff I can talk about in that time. So are we ready? We're ready, Evan. 30 seconds starting in okay. three, two, one, go. All right. So right now it's like early May. Uh, basketball in the NBA is kind of running down. And right now we have the Brooklyn Nets on top of the Eastern Division, of course, led by Steve Nash, who is who grew up in Victoria, um, played his high school provincials at the Agronome, the PNE, and then has his as a <laughs> coordinator after the PNE, which Night Hoops plays at. I think I'm running out of time. He was going to be at the thing, but then he got sick. Hey! There we go. <laughs> I started off slow there, but we sped it up there and got a shot off. But as we continue, you will see. How fun this little segment gets. I'm just going to have 30 seconds to rattle off some bullet points. Let us know what you guys think. All right, everybody. Our next guest is a organizer and programmer of Night Hoops for a while. He's been kind of who I've always associated with and been synonymous with Night Hoops for as long as I've been part of the program. Um, I think he's kept the program running and on its feet and running very smoothly for a long time. We've got our guy, Amin. Amin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And uh, you don't have to give me that introduction. I don't want to miss it because you're just going to draw me back into it. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, you know, I feel like we all we all have the the great memories and the sad memories uh, moving away from it in our own different ways. All three of us on this uh, podcast at this point have been a part of uh, Night Hoops. It's been a big part mm-hmm. of my life, and we've been able to move forward and and work we're going to be working on some different things but um, we're super excited to to have you be a part of our little project I'm in um, and if we can start off maybe by just sharing if you can share a little bit about um, what your first experience with basketball and and playing or or watching or um, getting involved and getting involved with night hoops what were those first experiences like for you I didn't know we would go all the way back to being like a little kid, like first experiences with basketball. Yeah. First experiences with basketball is being that little kid who has no place being on the court because you're too small. You can't play the basketball is like half the size of you. <laughs> and you just watch the other kids play. And, you know, one day they're not there and uh, you get to shoot around and like you fall in love with it. And mm-hmm. I think, I don't know. It's hard to say exactly what it was. It maybe it was that, you know, it was a sport that I was 
somewhat competent at, so I got into it. But I think the biggest draw for me is that it was a sport that I could just play, is that you have a hoop mm. and you have a ball and you can play it. I, I remember talking to like some of my cousins who were into hockey and uh, you know they signed up for their team and it's like, oh yeah, you spent like $600 on, on hockey equipment. I'm like, well, I don't think my parents have that kind of money. So when I was a kid, Pizza Hut gave away a $5 basketball. You order a pizza and you get a, pay an extra $5, you get a basketball endorsed yeah. by Shaquille O'Neal. And yeah, you know, he only endorses, <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm not the only one. <laughs> Evan's like, what is this? What? <laughs> yeah, I'm a little lost over here. But... Not, yeah, I didn't say the date. I didn't say what year it happened. Like, exactly. Then, right? You're gonna Maybe I just missed parents. it. Yeah, no, ask your parents about this, right? So that was it. I was like, what? You can have a basketball for $5. Totally. And, you know, we had a basketball hoop. And, and that I'm glad schools are kind of moving away from this in that, you know, we had basketball hoops on the playgrounds and stuff like that. But some of them, during certain hours, they take them down. And I don't mean mm-hmm. certain hours like midnight. I mean certain hours like 3.30 p.m. They take it down. I'm like, what are kids supposed really? to do, right? Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. And uh, it's something that I can actually kind of relate to uh, some of the kids coming up now is that uh, we found a basketball hoop and it was just a hoop. It was just lying there. We had an orange hoop, not attached to anything. We got it and came home and asked my dad who had never played basketball, hadn't seen basketball, like, can you hang this hoop up? And we had nowhere to hang it up. So he had a bunch of two by fours and he got like three two by fours and he nailed them together and made a post that was maybe like eight, nine feet tall, maybe eight feet tall as a little kid. And then we screwed the basketball hoop to it. So I had this ghetto basketball hoop <laughs> screwed onto a bunch of two by fours that were um, hammered into the ground. And that was my first hoop. And now like coming up, I'm talking to young kids. They're like, oh yeah, I grew up in the Philippines. We had a milk crate and we uh, put it on a pole and we did the same thing. And I'm like, that's the thing I loved about it is that I didn't have to, or in all of us, we didn't have to put in yeah. the money if we didn't have it. You can just have a ball and have a hoop or have a milk crate or whatever it was. and if I didn't have that type of um, experience, that the idea of getting rid of those those obstacles of money and just having a ball mm. and playing, I probably wouldn't be mm. into basketball as much. And and that's just you know you do that and just you guys probably have similar experiences. You, you meet friends doing that, you socialize doing that, and it mm. becomes just a part of you. And it was those simple things that got me into it when I was a little kid. It's such an inclusive game. That's- Kind of what uh, Night Hoops kind of embodies, embodies too with the free league and giving places, giving kids places to play. Huge draw into Night Hoops for me. And basketball has its Canadian roots. So we get to be proud Canadians as we play yeah. that game as well. Yeah, I don't know where, where you guys, I, I, I heard that. I was watching uh, TV as a little kid and I saw those Heritage Moment commercials. Mm. I don't know if Kavita might remember those. I don't know if Evan yeah. didn't remember those, but. It's like what it came. It came from a Canadian. I'm like, well, we should be better at this. Like, let's let's hype this up. Right? So I'm telling that the young kids are coming. I'm like, you know, a Canadian invented it, right? So, and what was your first, very first night hoops experience? What was my first night hoops experience was um, not. It's kind of really kind of basic, not too uh, exciting, but kind of strange in how simple it was. In that I was just. Um, volunteering at a, at a community center, trying to work more with uh, kids and teenagers. And I was um, pursuing a degree in education. And part of that was to volunteer more in the community. Uh, there was a guy that worked there and said, hey, you, you like basketball, right? I'm like, yeah, I do. He's like, so do you think you know enough to coach it? I'm like, oh yeah, it'd always be fun to like uh, coach it. And he's like, we got this team. Uh, can you just come on Friday and coach it? I'm like, yeah, sure. 
and that was it. That one, like, That's hey, awesome. and then I showed up and started uh, coaching. I knew I didn't even know it was called Nike on that first day. It was just a great way. Initially, it was just a great way to kind of, um, you know, when you're like 20, 21, you get to that point where you're like, I'm not like playing for a school anymore. It's like my my playing options are are much uh, more limited, mm-hmm. and the ability of like, uh, you know, we've all been there. Like I've spent all this time in basketball. Why? a way to share it with the, the next generation coming up and the ability to say like these are the things I've learned I can teach it to you and I can help you improve and it's like all of like these kids that at the time or, or kids that didn't get on their school team and uh, the group I was working with you know they were just hanging out with their friends I'm like I can teach you to be better you really like basketball let's make a team and let's get um, better at it and that's how it started off and then you know, I learned more about night hoops, about uh, when I, that first year, about running workshops and giving them other advice. And I was like, this is like perfect for me because I, I came in here to work with teenagers and, and I was pursuing a, a degree in education. And I'm like, wait, I can teach them about basketball, which I love. And I can teach them about like life lessons, about how to stay out of trouble and how to deal with like, uh, you know, the pressure of drugs and gang recruitment, how to deal with um, disconflict and, and, and issues you have as a teenager I'm like this was perfect I loved it um and the fact that uh you know again we go back to the my beginning with the uh, getting rid of obstacles like I didn't have to spend six hundred dollars on on hockey equipment and that was back then I mean that same hockey mm-hmm. equipment is going to be like two grand today yeah. is um you know something I'm like this is great we can all like kind of kind of you know level the playing field and I can again teach these kids what I know it was what really got me uh, started into it uh, and you know as it went just seeing the team that get built up over the years the, the players coming in uh, the players telling me how much they liked it the players that didn't get to play on their school team having another opportunity to play and some of these kids uh, and it was in my first year and I heard it in my last year from other people as well as how much they they talked about Nike they, they talked about it with each other mm. um, my first year these kids were on Facebook and they were uh, like, I had a whole bunch of kids who were like recent immigrants to Canada, like a year or two in Canada. And they were going on Facebook messaging their uh, uh, old friends back home about night hoops. And I'm like, we're just like at the community center playing. And uh, that was, that was probably like a huge turning point uh, when I found out they were doing that. And I'm like, I'm just teaching you how to dribble with your left hand and, and, you know, do a crossover and how to actually like maybe pass the ball and, and, and get a decent jumper. And you guys are like sending these uh, messages across the globe to the other side of the world to your friends and saying how you're on this team. Like, this means like way more to you than I realized. And that that yeah. lit a fire under me to be like, okay, this, this is, uh, I got to treat this with the same importance that, mm-hmm. that you guys see it. And that, that happened early on. And that motivated me like every single time over the past 14 years and uh like i heard from a friend who uh was on the bus one night and i think it was a friday saturday night and she's like guess what i was just on the bus and there was all these kids talking about the next night hoops game i was like i don't know these kids i was sitting on the other side of the bus and they were all talking about night hoops and how excited they were about the game and uh she didn't know the kids she just knew the word night hoops and then she immediately called me up and you know that happened on my first year, and now I'm hearing about it on my in, in my last year. And I thought like that really, anytime we've all like struggled, especially with the team, it's like you know trying to trying to teach them, trying to get them all to work together. 
that mm. motivated me from first year to last year. That was a huge motivation. That is awesome. That, so much of what you said um, at the beginning too really resonated with me about, um, you know, these are kids that are coming maybe from their high school that didn't make their high school team, but how much mm. it really means to them and how like, how we're really just teaching fundamentals um, at the night hoops level, but how important that is. Um, I remember having conversations with some of the girls that I got to coach, you know, that they hadn't made their basketball team. And I was like, cool, guess what? We're here. <laughs> we're going to have some fun and you can go try out next year. Maybe you'll make yeah. it next year, but let's improve here this year. And then, you know, whatever happens, you keep playing, you keep having fun. Totally. Coaching too. Just realizing that all these kids, like, I had a I had a summer team one year and they were just they lived at the gym when I wasn't there and they were asking for more time in the gym for practices and they wanted to come in and do this and this and this and this and this and we had like like a third of a gym to work with and we were trying to do as much as we could and yeah they were like that was like their summer like that was what they were doing we had like the the year end um, event at the PNE and that was like what they were working towards they were like looking forward to that all summer and it really it, it makes you realize how important of a of a job just volunteering as a coach is totally so you said it was 14 years um that you got to spend um working with night hoops in in different capacities um maybe if you want to share with us you started as a coach but then from there what other capacities you kind of worked with night hoops and and maybe if you can share um what your favorite part of the program is so <laughs> that's going to be a tough one maybe but you definitely already started to share a few different aspects but um between like the events that night hoops put on or the games or is it the workshops yeah i mean like yeah i started off as uh you know i was coaching in it and uh, that's all i that's all i wanted to do i never wanted to uh in any way be like a coordinator in night hoops and it's weird that I spent more time as a coordinator than I did as a coach. Because I mean, when you talk about memories, it's like the coaching memories, how much, I guess, weight they have or how much like a uh, uh, quality you see in those moments. And then like, oh, being a programmer is boring. You know, I want to coach. But uh, it was just like, it was just a point. There was a, there was a void there where um, the negatives was going through a, a transition. And I kind of seen what could happen when, uh, programmers were, were really involved in a part of it and what this void was kind of showing and I uh, kind of got worried about that and it was I didn't really want to do it and um, I, I don't think I've ever shied away from that I was, I've been very honest with the board that I, I didn't want to have this job and then I did it for what eight years or something like that mm -hmm. and um, it was all because of what we talked about earlier is that I had my team and and how much of an impact it was on them and how important it was to them and I was like oh, you know I'm seeing where this void is going and I'm worried about what what it holds in the future so I was like can I you know sacrifice my team for the benefit of the other couple dozen teams here that if if I can take what's worked for my team and I can kind of create a positive uh, environment for the other uh, two dozen teams maybe mm. you know it, it'd be kind of selfish for me to just focus on mine I, like this this feeling should be shared with all the teams and I'm sure it was and I think you've talked to a few other coaches and you've both coached in the past and you have similar um stories and, and great memories and like, imagine we didn't have those imagine there was that void that didn't get properly mm -hmm. filled and 
you know, we didn't have it. So I did it because I didn't want it to end for anyone, whether it was myself or anyone. And I remember I, I, I applied to be a coordinator and I was kind of like, I hope this went someone better. So I hope this went someone better. <laughs> and I got like, I got part, a few years in, I'm like, so have you found someone better? Like, you still want me to do this? And I said, go back to coaching. <laughs> yeah, they found a great guy now though. He's, he's amazing. But uh, that was how I transitioned into it. My favorite, um, and, and, and again, I did it for like eight years. So I, I'm not going to say I hated it because, uh, you know, I, I, I pretend I hate it, but I had a whole bunch of wonderful moments. And mm. um, it's, it's hard to pick what was the best? Was, I was very fortunate to be a part of it in both in both settings as a coach and coordinator. Mm-hmm. My favorite, I don't know, my favorite aspect of measures is is difficult to say because it changes so much. Mm. Um, just as a generation, right. uh, you know, when I first started, it was just my favorite aspect was just being with a team and you know doing the workshops with the team because this mm-hmm. is like you know they talk about carrot and stick and. Basketball was a thing we all had in common. Basketball was a way we got them in there. And once you had a team that was whether that was close and we had that that you know camaraderie with the team, mm-hmm. it was kind of like now we can do workshop and now we can kind of talk about other things about basketball. And we learned a lot about each other. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned a lot about the kids. They learned things about me and kids. Their friends learned stuff about each other that you wouldn't normally uh, talk about, uh, totally. especially with the, with the boys teams. You know, a lot of a lot of boys try to put up that put that front you know there's certain things you talk yeah. about there's certain things that you, you shy away from and when you have that that security of your mm-hmm. team and a good mentor as your coach you can kind of talk about those, those things and have a have an honest discussion I think those um in the early days those were definitely uh my favorite uh, moments of Nagu and the thing I loved about it the most uh going on to be a coordinator um you know I'm pulled away from from that side that's that that's the coach's privilege and and they get to have those relationships with the team. As a coordinator, I guess the closest I got was probably like the, the skills and social when we could kind of have all the teams come together. Mm-hmm. And it was a great, um, you know, it's competitive, basketball's competitive. <laughs> Night Hoops trying to promote the whole like, hey, let's all, you know, just play and have fun. But at the end of the day, there's still you know, a ball going in a hoop and who, who did it more times than the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always going to be uh, competitive and the idea of having that night where we can just say like, hey, let's all just like, you know, you show up, you can have a night hoops jersey on. I don't care what team you're from, whether you're from Collingwood or Kensington or Edmonds, whatever. We all show up, we all have food and we all kind of enjoy, uh, you know, a, a day together, an evening together where we just shoot around and play basketball and, and, and talk about uh, basketball, talk about night hoops and talk about like whatever is related to that. Um, I think as a, as a corner, that's the closest I could get to the idea of having that that unity of a of a workshop, so mm. uh, I, I guess that was my favorite aspect of it because um, it's nice to see the whole community together and seeing what comes out of that. For sure, that's uh, awesome. I I have to say these workshops, like we like to talk about them, Evan and I. We've shared with each other how much we valued those workshops. Mm-hmm. I have to say it has to be like almost like the bread and butter of night hoops. Like, sure, it's basketball, but the workshops just adds this like you said different layer that creates this camaraderie and sense of community that even amongst the peers themselves probably don't really experience even in school because some of these conversations you don't know if or where the kids are going to have that like you said that special space to 
feel comfortable and have the mentors and and we had some resources that kind of were able to help us out as well as we talked about these conversations so um that's cool I'm, i'm glad you brought that up and and definitely any like young coaches listen it's not easy to do right you might you guys yeah. might make it sound easy i might make it sound easy it is not easy to do you have to get all these kids who you know they don't want to open up and, and it requires being vulnerable they got to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and you as a coach need to be somewhat vulnerable it's really hard to do but you know you you have positive stories of it evan you have positive stories about it and i think uh, that's the important thing it's really it's easy to talk about really hard to do but it's it's so rewarding when you get people get to the end there Totally. 100%. Yeah, especially what like uh, what you mentioned about having probably I'd say maybe with, with boys too more than girls, maybe I don't know. I've never really coached girls, but what I experienced, yeah, especially when you're close in age, like I'm a younger guy. When I started coaching, I was only a couple years older than uh, than my team. And sometimes it's tough to I think in that part, it's it's a little easier to have different conversations, but it's also tough to to start them. If you know what I mean, like it's tough to bring a group yeah. of kids that are like my brother's friends or like that that kind of age and be like, hey guys, what do you think about this? Like, have you guys experienced anything like that? Um, but then I think once you get that ball rolling, having the the relatability with being a little closer to them is is easy because then you can you can share experiences that they're about to go through, or they're about to to see in the real world. Um, so, are you? So you mentioned volunteering at a community center. Are you where where was that? Like, uh, are you from around here, around East? I, yeah, yeah. I grew up in East Van. I grew up around okay. um, uh, Collingwood Renfrew area. Right. Uh, but I ended up volunteering in uh, at first the Carisdale area. Okay. Which was very different than, than what I where I uh, grew up. Um, mm-hmm. And that was, uh, you know, like, would I have liked to have, um, you know, been in touch with my home community, uh, like volunteering at like a, or, or coaching at like a Renfrew or a Collingwood or, or, or um, something like that, or a Thunderbird, something like that. Like, yeah, that'd be great. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, initially, I just started off looking for work with, um, you know, kids and, and teenagers so that I could um, uh, do that volunteering component of, of my education. And uh, they gave me on, uh, an opportunity. And then uh, we go back into the, what I was saying about these kids are like, you know, calling back home and saying how great um, basketball is and how great night hoops is. And I'm like, that's a, that thing is like, these kids might have, you know, more money than me and they might have mm-hmm. a different kind of upbringing than me, but they did have similar wants and desires. And I'm like, right. these kids, you know, these kids also, a lot of them don't live with their parents. They, they came here. For, for an education, but they don't live with their parents and that they need positive mentors. Um, the fact that they kind of maybe had back home, they had a, a more privileged upbringing, but they come here, you know, they don't know the language as much. They're kind of, um, uh, they're, they're not, they don't easily uh, integrate when you have to kind of fumble around when you're learning English and things like this. And I'm like, they, there's a lot of similarities there with like my, my community, and this community, if we take money out of the equation right. when it comes to trying to feel involved, not wanting to be excluded, um, having issues with like, maybe you have one parent in your life, maybe you have no parent in your life uh, or in the immediate vicinity. There's a lot of similarities in that. And I, and I could see that and it came out and I'm like, you know what? We can use basketball as, as that nullifier. We can have, we can talk about these things, the things that, that matter, the things about creating community and, and creating this kind of like extended 
or, or outside group where we all get together and we all form this, these tight relationships in a team. Um, that's, I mean, it was different. It was really different being in that neighborhood. And then for a while, I, uh, they asked me to go to Britannia, which again was also mm-hmm. really different. And I was really fortunate to be um, in all those communities, but they're all very different than, than where I grew up. But yeah, I know I grew up around East End, but I coached uh, elsewhere. So yeah, you kind of touched on a bit of the, the next question I was going to ask, but if you think about Vancouver and Vancouver youth, you mentioned being in all these different communities. What do you think changed about the way you thought about kids in Vancouver, maybe pre-Night Hoops and then now post-Night Hoops? Was there anything that shifted? Was there, is there like different experiences that you had that kind of shifted the way you thought about kids in different areas? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, some of the stuff like I just talked about when it comes to, mm-hmm. you know, growing up, I would just think kids from certain areas, they had, you know, whatever, you know, they had it all, they had privilege, no big deal, but, you know, when you, if your family's not that close or you don't, uh, you can't make friends as easily because you're still learning the language, then, you know, mm-hmm. those are similar problems. And I'm like, I, those are things I would never have thought of or never have uh, dealt That's with huge, if it yeah. wasn't, yeah, if I didn't meet these uh, kids. Um, now, nowadays, the one thing uh, uh, kind of good is that I guess it's kind of with how easy, easily it is to communicate and know each other. There's a little bit of, um, um, I guess, breaking down barriers and fences where kids from one neighborhood kind of know kids yeah. from the other neighborhood, and it's not so much who's in your immediate vicinity. These kids go online, they talk, they know of each other. They might not talk directly to each other, but the idea of getting rid of boundaries seems to be a thing that's like coming up now mm-hmm. when i when i talk to a lot of kids which is which is um kind of good um but uh there's definitely like i was very fortunate to move around the city and, and not just coach in different neighborhoods but uh you know, play against other teams get to talk to the coaches get to talk to some of the, the players as a coordinator definitely you know i tried to go to uh, as many uh, uh, practices and games as I could and get to learn more about the kids. And um, it's great that there's some things that, you know, through through that opportunity, through basketball, I had that opportunity to get to know them more, uh, in a better way and, and have these relationships that wouldn't have existed without that opportunity. And I think uh, my, you know, my integration more with the, the Chinese community and uh, the Filipino community as, as being something that um, uh, has come up because of my relationship with uh, basketball. And if I didn't have this opportunity in Hoops to go around and meet these different kids, meet their uh, families, meet coaches, meet referees, I wouldn't um, be uh, you know, blessed with that, that opportunity to learn about uh, from these people and, and uh, be a part of their community as well. That's awesome. Yeah, I always find that it's it's there's a bit of a so it's like almost an honor and a, and a pleasure to have different people welcome you into, if, especially if you're going somewhere to, to working at a community center that's not yours. There's a certain level of trust that people have for you to be coming in there and sharing your space with them. I find. I was actually just thinking yeah. too, um, you mentioned a little bit about how you got to kind of travel and see different parts um, of the community um, as a coordinator. Um, and I, I remember one of, when I got to coordinate, I learned from you. Um, Amin is one of the people who, or the person, I would say, um, that scheduled all the games. So we all got to see one schedule, but um, it's it, 
it's a project to to put that schedule and bracket together. And I remember Amin was the one who who gave me tips on how to do that with a girls' league that was like six or eight teams at the time when Amin's doing this for I don't know how many teams. So I was gonna say um, <laughs> if you can elaborate maybe a little I'm bit more. Putting him through the ringer right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I thought bit. I. I blacked that out. I, I thought I was done. <laughs> maybe, maybe on what the science of that is, because that's interesting. But also, um, just maybe share a little bit of a like what your day to day as a coordinator was, because I think maybe that's something that um, younger people don't really know too much about. Like you're kind of like this behind the scene person that that shows up here and gets to wave at folks, but they don't really know all of what you're doing behind the scenes. So. Um, if you're open to sharing a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, putting the schedule together, there's nothing exciting about that. It, it, it was kind of like, uh, you know, you ever watch those TV shows and those um, movies where some guy kind of has that, that that nutty moment where he has walls of like notes <laughs> plastered everywhere. I mean, that was kind of what I did. One, one time I was in the gym running a basketball program and I just sat in the corner with um, papers all around me trying to format a schedule. It's It's... <laughs> not not fun it, it, it's not exciting it's just mathematical you plug in the numbers and then you're like well I don't want the Edmonds kids traveling all the way to Kitsilano or something like that so you have to like do that there's a lot going on yeah not too exciting it's, it, it's based, if you're good at math you probably do a way better job than I would and uh, figure that out but uh, the daily life of a, of a coordinator I mean putting that schedule together is difficult then the funny thing about it was not just like the, the physical idea of putting teams together, but what I would kind of say to people is, say you want to have a basketball game, and instead of creating a basketball game, because the basketball game, if people want to play basketball, the game's going to happen. You have to think about everything that goes wrong along the way and make a plan. And then you shoot into these different webs of possibilities. So it's like, you know, you have a basketball game. What can go wrong? Well, what do you do with fouls? Oh, yeah, we got to get a referee. How do you find a reliable referee? Oh, yeah, how do you get a backup referee? Okay, cool. Right, what about score clock? Oh, yeah, cool. What about backup score clock? Okay, cool. And then you wind up in these weird webs of, like, where do you go? But the one thing is it was nice to mix the whole practical side of getting the games actually together and then mixing that kind of human side of it, of, of getting to know referees and having those relationships with them to kind of say like, you know, can you go here? Can you go there? I need a last minute referee. I have to beg a referee who wants to be at a different game and like this is a better game. So dealing with the different personalities with the, the coaches, with the referees, with the players, it, it you, you need uh, you need to be like a, a diplomat for the United Nations to have that type of skill. I didn't have it. I was, I have no idea. I, I would love to say like, oh, this is what you do. I have no idea. I just, you know, positive relationship and, and trying to be respectful to people. You can mm -hmm. learn a lot from other people. And I don't have all the answers. I learned it from people as I went. I learned it from coaches. I learned it from referees. I learned it from players. And um, yeah, definitely working with the, the different groups, players, coaches, and uh, referees. And then finding space. I mean, this is a program that ran uh, for free. You know, the kids came in. We didn't charge them any money. Um, and always trying to uh, keep keep that you know as as a focus to make sure that we can find suitable game time, we can find suitable uh, uh, practice time for them, that we can keep things going, we can get them jerseys. Uh, was another aspect of it. So, I mean, I could say it was really stressful working with the different uh, um, different personalities, different uh, 
financial needs of the organization uh, was a big stress when it came to coordinating. But, uh, you know, again, if, if I didn't have, you know, such um, fantastic coaches and uh, referees and, and teams to work with, then it would have been so much worse. But the, you put the work in and you get to know these people. That's what, what made it better. Um, I mean, the daily life of a, of a coordinator would be like, I don't know, you put a schedule together, then you find uh, the referees, then you go check on the coaches, make sure everything's okay, and then they tell you everything's okay, and then you relax, and then they call you back and say, guess what, something's wrong, and you're like, that's not what you told me five minutes ago, <laughs> and then you head out to their site and deal with it, and then, <laughs> and then uh, you head out to their site and deal with it, and you smooth everything over with the team, uh, you leave, you get home, and then a referee calls you saying you rolled his ankle, and then you take five minutes and you cry it out, and then you um, no, <laughs> and then you show no, up you know as the referee pretty much. You've refereed, I'm sure, a, a few times at least. I know because you, you you see the face of those kids when I had to those couple <laughs> games I had to referee. They're like, oh, forget it. What like? <laughs> I guess we can take four dribbles, right? He's not going to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Does he know the ball has to go in the hoop? Like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> no. I can't say what it's like to be a coordinator. It was just, you get the schedule together, you get the coaches together, you have wonderful coaches to get the team together, you get referees together, and then you are on standby to deal with any issues that come up. Basically, it was a job where you were always on. It was, you you settle in and, um, you know, a coach calls you up, and it could be something simple. It could be like, hey, uh, I've got an issue where uh, my team's having a problem transporting to another site, or it could be something like, hey, I think my, my kid forged a signature. What do I do? And I'm like, oh, man, it's like, I got to deal with all these different things mm. that, that come up. It, it, uh, I, I, yeah, I wish there was a simplified playbook. I, w- I was uh, to, to deal with it. It was definitely, you know, live on the edge of your seat waiting for something to happen. Uh, and, and for all the coaches and all the referees I that are listening I'm like I thank you for being mm-hmm. so reliable I definitely I cannot you know do what I did without that wonderful uh, group there that was that was awesome um you know you kind of mentioned like there's no science but it does sound like there's a formula in there you said good relationships help you yeah. troubleshoot <laughs> the, the kind of polar opposites right trouble and good are usually on opposite ends <laughs> But your good relationships help you balance out how you are going to troubleshoot. And like you said, that's kind of the backbone of what a coordinator had to do was, was the troubleshooting of things. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to see if we could talk a little bit about was um, a common theme, I feel like, that in your answers has been power of connectivity um, that kind of comes in with playing basketball and how it connects people at all different levels. And so much, so much connection. Um, so I wanted to see if we can connect this. You've talked a lot about your experience in Night Hoops. We heard a little bit about where you were going um, outside of Night Hoops in the sense of your career towards education. Um, so can you share with us a little bit about how Night Hoops um, connects to your um, everyday job? Because you know, Night Hoops we know was a part of uh, your everyday, but not Night Hoops is only a yeah. fraction. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, a huge, important fraction of it. I mean, like when I first started out, like when I was teaching, when I first started out, it was funny how 
you you don't realize how big of a thing it is that when I when I first started teaching, you know, I'm a substitute, I walk into a room, I don't know any of the kids, they don't know me, and you kind of get a look from a couple of kids, and they start whispering, like, hey, and they're like, that's, that's the night of the sky, that's the night of the sky, and then they would wait, you know, you get half an hour into a lesson, and then they have a question, and it's like, oh, okay, you, you want to answer the question on electrons? Like, no, no, do you play basketball? I'm like, that's, you've been holding that in for half an hour, haven't you? And so, <laughs> Early on, it was a great way to connect with the kids because I'm like, wow, I didn't realize that it had reached this far and I can go. It doesn't matter That's if I'm so going cool. to yeah, a school like Windermere or if I'm going to a school like uh, University Hill. And it's like they all kind of are connected to it. And it was a great way to break down um, these barriers and create these early connections with the kids. Um, once I got you know more established and I wasn't um, a substitute anymore, um, I think I, I brought that whole idea of uh, you know, community feeling to to what I did as, as a as a mm. teacher, and it wasn't so much about all right, guys, this is your homework. It's about like what's what's more important, and it, and it comes to basketball. It's like you guys are both coached, and it's like I can teach you how to dribble, sure, but there's a whole bunch of people that can teach you how to how to dribble, how to do a different crossover. But what you create with a team, that's the the memories you keep with you. And I can I can uh, teach you like when when to use a proper comma in your writing, but you know, I also have to create these, these positive, um, you know, experiences for you. We have to have this idea of a, a community focus when it comes to, not just negative, but when it comes to education as well. Having this, this community focus of, of what, are we, what are you guys going to do after school? What are you doing at lunchtime? And, and also, you know, finding kids who need a little bit extra and they like basketball. It's like, well, let me tell you about night groups. I know this coach and he's, you know, out of, um, you know, out of, like out of Collingwood, he's out of Hastings, wherever I was. And I was like, this is, you know, let me set you up with this. And the idea of making it more than just the actual job, understanding the whole old idea of like, you know, it takes a village to raise a kid. I'm like, mm. if I have like the, the idea of night group, whether I'm in night group or whether I'm a former coordinator and I still know what's going on, you know, bring the community in there and, and, and it creates a huge uh, benefit to education. If we know, uh, even outside of basketball, you know, if we, we know the kids, like what's happening with their parents, what's happening with their social life, like, oh, so-and-so just broke up with her boyfriend so she's like you know in a mood doesn't want to come to school for a week like just the idea of being in touch with the community um i saw the impacts of that with night groups and it's been a huge benefit to me uh when it comes to teaching and and how i treat it it's, it's more than just you know those four walls there's, there's so much more happening for every single kid and the more you know about that the, the better you can understand them and the better that you can you know, teach them important lessons in, in, in life Totally. Wow. Powerful stuff. The circle of life. Oh, yeah, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no one ever said that I was good at this stuff anyway. So it's like that's that's where that's where I'm that's where I was headed. You know, I, I think it, I I think that's important stuff, but who knows? Like ask the students, Emily, yeah, he's he just keeps telling me to, to keep working and you know, caring for people. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know. You gotta talk to them. They, <laughs> Like, because like, I just I just want to know what you know where you find hydrogen and he's talking about you know giving back. I don't he's get gonna... it. <laughs> I will say if my teacher started talking about uh, how I could give back versus hydrogen, I said, "How can I give back?" <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't take the, uh, the science route any day of the week. Yeah. 
That's awesome. So it sounds like a kind of like inspiring kids and teaching them and connecting them and, and all that. But um, what has kind of inspired you from, from Night Hoops? Like, have you taken any inspiration from the program or from the youth or from the coaches that you've worked with into uh, the rest of your life? I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm going back to the, you know, that original thing of like hearing the, the positive impact right. on the kids has been definitely like, it's motivated me throughout it, hearing from other people that, oh yeah, this kid was talking about night hoops. It, it's great. I mean, I'm seeing guys, um, you know, playing in like, um, like, you know, adult leagues and they're still bringing their night hoops jersey with them. And uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I forget about all of, you know, how big of a thing it's been. And I've had all these positive stories. I mean, I, I talked about how I'm fortunate to work with great coaches and, and they've made, um, you know, my time as a coordinator much easier. I've learned a lot from all these coaches. It's difficult to, um, you know, mention all of it. And, and it's just hearing about their... I don't, know, I don't want to put anyone out, but like hearing about like their lives and what they go through, you know, you kind of start to, you start to uh, empathize with it and you start to just basically expand your own perspective and, um, you know, take that in. There's a lot of inspiring stories in it when you have, you know, a couple dozen teams and a couple dozen coaches, they, there's many players, many coaches that, that share these stories with you and, and, and you learn a lot. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, I don't know. I guess it, it's one of those conversations that all coaches need to have, and, and, and a lot of them are private, so it's hard to like uh, talk all about it. But if I didn't have that, it would definitely be something missing. I mean, it's, it's been great to hear whether it comes to you know their, their personal life, their family life, um, you know, things that are keeping them going. Mm. Um, there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of um, just seeing the positive impact on it keeps you going i'm telling all these jokes about like you know i'm not a good coordinator i'm not a good teacher i don't know why you guys keep talking about that but that's because you know you just want to always be in a state where you, you never want to be in that state and none of us i guess we always want to keep working kind of trying to improve where i don't want to be in the state where it's like i have it all under control it's like i need to learn from all these other people i need to constantly improve and if i'm not learning from whether it's coaches or whether it's even other players and, and seeing what's coming from there, I, it, it reminds you not to be complacent, not to just say like, okay, it's all under control. It's like, yeah, you know, you have to keep working for better things. You have to keep working to make sure all the good things keep happening right. and, and the bad things are, are you know, not as big of a deal. Um, I wish I could kind of, you know, bring up specific uh, examples, but there, there's been a lot that happens and um, I'm sure. Yeah, it, 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 it's hard to kind of pick, you know, one or two it just sticks out. Um, I think the idea of it, like I said, the kids always talking about it and knowing that it. Right. Knowing yeah. the impact you're making, I'm sure is extremely inspiring. Yeah. And I, and again, I have no idea I'm making a positive impact until, until I hear it from them. So um, I don't know if I'm doing uh, what they need until I hear it from them. So that, that's what I guess inspires me to know that things are going well for, for other people. And uh, I guess, you know, I'm totally inspired when I see, uh, former players who are coming back to coach and they yeah. talk about all their positive experiences and and now they're doing similar things and it's like this 
you know, these are things that you kind of forget about. There's players who, who stood out and you know them, and there's players who were kind of like on the side, but they really want to get back and, and get involved. And you're like, okay, I didn't even realize how much of an impact it was. And that's always like, you don't ever, you never know what's going to happen in the future. You don't know how much of an impact you're going to make. So the idea of always trying to do um, something positive and not letting, uh, you know, obstacles like failure and, and things like that hold you back because you think you're just, you, know, you keep doing the wrong thing. Um, that's something that affects all of us. And, and I, it's wonderful to hear from former players who are coming back to always, um, there's a suit to also give back. It, it definitely inspires you, reminds you, keep trying because uh, you never know who you're going to inspire. And, and, and they, you know, in turn inspire me as well. Totally. See that circle of life. Yeah. <laughs> circle of inspiration. It's beautiful. Exactly. When you talk about inspiration and stuff like that, I have a short, like, maybe 20 second clip of Evans as a coach <laughs> and you want to talk about inspiration how hyped this guy gets for his team oh. and I watched it seeing him so excited and um involved in the game and I'm sitting there as a coordinator going through paperwork I'm like I hate this kid so much right now <laughs> <laughs> I have I have it too I think someone oh did I send it to you I think did so I yeah someone posted yeah. it on the uh the night hoops um stories that is something that i that i often went back to and i was like you look at it from a nostalgic point you're like this used to be me and now this young kid gets to do it i look back at it in a fond way and i was so happy to see that that being passed down that someone like you know next going on generation and then evan one day you're going to be old and you're going to look at a, a new coach coming up being so hyped and you're going to be like i love it i love that this is still there but, absolutely yeah that's a video i look at for inspiration sometimes Oh, that's awesome. It sounds like you also have that sort of like continuous um, yearning to keep learning. Is there some space or a book or a movie um, or some type of content series that you go to um, either regularly or every so often for a good dose of inspiration? Wow. That's a, that's a good one. Especially like, you know, this past year there's been like a need for a lot of it um uh like as a when, when it comes to like as a teacher i you know i just i just went back to school to, to upgrade to to learn more and to to teach um different subjects so that i can continue to learn and um, it's been wonderful, you know, they're, they're, I guess there's going to be kind of teacher, but there's a couple of teacher websites that I go to, and it really talks about the idea. It's wonderful because, like, you know, I'm going back to learn more, and it's so, um, I guess, gratifying to know that some of the things that I thought would be beneficial, but I didn't have any, like, you know, scientific research on it, and I'm reading this stuff from um, a couple of teacher websites. They're like, yeah, this is what you need to do in school, and they're like, when you get new kids, you need to it doesn't say like this is how you need to teach and stuff but, like you need what you need to do to teach and stuff is create an environment where they want to learn mm. so if you create a room where they want to be there where you don't have to worry about them skipping where you know that they're going to come then you can teach them you can't and it was the same in that group. if you created a, mm. an environment where they wanted to join the team right. then you can at that point then you can start teaching them things about basketball at that point you can start teaching them about the workshop but you have to create that positive environment so as a teacher you don't worry so much in the beginning about, you know, what, how am I going to teach you this? How am I going to teach you that? You, you worry about creating that environment where the kids want to be. 
And I've been reading a lot of uh, uh, different stuff on that about creating a positive environment uh, for kids, whether they are, um, you know, whether they're, they're, they're refugee kids or they're voluntary immigrants and they're coming to a place where they're unfamiliar. How do they learn? Maybe they have been in Canada their whole life and um, they are coming from a different community and, and, and coming into your classroom. How do you create this positive environment? Things, learning about, um, you know, and this is what we've already kind of discussed with Maggie, um, but hearing things about, you know, uh, creating reflections for the kids of, you know, do you see yourself in this room? Like, can you see yourself as part of it? Once, the, the, once you see yourself as part of a group, then you'll be part of the group. But if you're always seen as an outsider, you won't be part of it. And just hearing not only how to create that is, is inspiring because it, it's some stuff that I've already tried to do, but hearing stories about the success stories of where it happened, about kids telling the stories about how they, they first came to a classroom and how they didn't want to be there or, or what they've done with their life after graduating when they were kind of like written off. Um, these things are, are, are definitely inspiring. It's like, you know what? You doubt yourself. You have to work with these kids and you're like, what am I going to do? How am I going to make um, a positive impact? And, 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 you know, kind of like what you said, what I said, like the need to constantly be better is, is always in the back of our head. Are we doing the right thing? And to, to hear about, yeah, this will work is very inspiring. So I'm like, I can read them and go in the next day and say, you know, I think it's not working, but I have to keep doing this and that will help them. And it's not, it's not going to happen overnight, but if I can do these things in the classroom to help them, They'll, they'll be more engaged. That's definitely um, something that, uh, that, that inspires me. And uh, sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm off social media. I can't deal with all the stuff on, mm-hmm. on social media right now. So, I mean, I might pop up again in a few months or I might not, who knows? I think this might be the longest I've been off social media. But um, I have, you know, I have friends I talk to and I kind of ask them to filter it out and they always send me like some, some inspiring videos and stuff <laughs> like that every now and then I'm like, okay, thanks. You know, I don't have to go through all that negativity. You guys find one or two and you just like text it to me or or email me or whatever. And uh, those stories, um, uh, I guess one thing, not specific, we've had like a lot of negativity uh, recently. And I think one thing that's been true, I hear it from a lot of kids, they always talk about like the struggle, right? They always talk about struggle. (laughs) And what's inspiring for me is actually seeing that. We, We live in a world with people there's two types of people, the ones that always talk about how successful they are, and some of them fake it, some of them are real, and some of them, there's a very few people who, who are honest about it, and they talk about their failures, mm-hmm. and I love hearing about those, because those are things that you can learn from, right? I don't mm-hmm. care, at the end result, you kind of, you did it, but how did you get there? I want to know about all the, the mess-ups in the beginning, and I love hearing that, and then, you know, if, if it's someone online, you can, like, check on their progress, if they have, like, a Twitter account or an Instagram, you can check on their progress down the road, but I love knowing someone's going to be vulnerable enough to put up their failures, and that's inspiring as well because you get to see that this is a person who's not going to quit. This is a person who's willing to show failure and sh- and share it so other people will learn from it. Um, and and it, it sh- it's kind of counterintuitive. That should be a negative thing, but I think that can be a very positive thing because um, you know it's showing progress. So I love hearing those stories and seeing those videos um, of just the actual failure that comes from the struggle. And you know. Where are they going to go next? Yeah, there's always only so much you can learn from when you win or when you succeed at something. It's always yeah. about how can you how can you improve, and that, that comes with losing and failing. Totally, taking us deep every time. Sorry, <laughs> I love it. It's great. 
So we're kind of we're kind of getting towards the end of our questions here, and so we have one that we have asked everyone so far. So is there a basketball player or a coach or a basketball figure that you would want to sit down and and they would have to talk to you for an hour? Who would that be? Oh man, see that's that's a tough one, and it's kind of like asking like who's the greatest of all time. It's like we got to talk about generations. And, you know, I'm going to say this, and, and you guys are going to say this is like the, the stupidest answer. I don't know if he would be number one, but I just, you know, you would be entertained for an hour, and you might not learn an hour's worth of information. You might only learn, like, you know, 15 minutes worth of information, but you'd love it the whole time. It's like, wouldn't you love to just kind of force Charles Barkley to talk to you for an hour and see where his head goes, right? You know, it wouldn't, you, you know what I mean? Like, you, yeah, you know, I do know what you mean, stuff, yeah. right? It wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't be the best, right? It wouldn't be like, wow, oh, this is genius. I got to write this all down. But you get so much. You get a little bit. You get a little bit of gold when you're digging, right? I think, it, I think it, the big part there was like you said, you're going to be entertained for the full hour. And you, and I would say you might go through a little bit of an emotional roller coaster with you. That guy, that guy is vulnerable. You have, the, the stuff he said is just as a joke. I'm like, you have no idea the impact you're making. It's like, oh, it's not even like he talks about basketball sometimes. Like, oh, you're an idiot. But sometimes he talks about, about basketball and you're like, wow, oh, man, how come mm. people call you an idiot? Even though I was the one that called you an idiot five minutes ago. But, <laughs> he such a, but then he talks about life and he starts talking about like relationships and, and, and about like equality and stuff like that. And it's like, why, why do you say it in such like a nonchalant way? Like, it doesn't matter. Where like, you, you know, if someone else took your words mm. and said it, this would be like on the walls of every classroom, a famous quote and stuff like that. But because you said it, we're going to laugh about it on YouTube or something like that. The stuff he says, I was like, dude, you better say it in a better way, but like mm. making the right point. Sure. Uh, I don't know, like, I don't know if he's the best point, but like, you know, it would be a, a fantastic hour. Yeah, it would, would be a fun conversation. Tell everyone sure. about. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, hearing funny. the stuff the guy says about like, when it comes to like, you gotta do this as a team or something like that. And then you have to, um, then he starts talking about like race relationships and then he starts talking about, um, uh, uh, you know, accepting of like uh, gays and transgendered people. And I was like, he's, he says it in such like a, he almost says it in like a, a such a casual, like coming from a, I'm just sitting on my couch talking, but he, 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 he has a sense of like so much like, the importance of equality and the importance of acceptance and you don't like see it when you see it, his, his his face and and, and he's just a like, casual and he's like oh, yeah, whatever he says it so casually but i'm like you're right you know why don't put, put some more emphasis on what you're saying mm. and um it would yeah and but definitely be entertaining and it'd be one hour of entertainment and maybe like 20 minutes of pure gold that he'd like take with you forever totally that was a good answer. That was a good answer. Are you yeah. sure about that? You know he's going to say something stupid tomorrow. You know that, right? It's going to be all over YouTube. <laughs> like, you watch like he said, though, I mean, okay, th there's just levels. There's levels to Charles Barkley. And he, he, you, took us, you took us on some levels and could go deep. And I think Charles Barkley would be right there with you, ready to go deep. But the other part is TNT has trusted him to be on air and say whatever they want for how long. So. I know, right? uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they're thinking. 
no you gotta you gotta have a character that's that's willing to say things that other people aren't willing to say and and learn things that other people you know may not see and so he he goes into those corners right so it's cool it's interesting like you said it's entertaining and sometimes we get a nugget of gold out of it (laughs) i know they also need someone who's going to get Shaq going, and I feel like he's like that. <laughs> he's, yes. <laughs> yeah. Totally. <laughs> oh, man. Well, this was a pleasure. Thank you, Amin, mm-hmm. for joining us. Um, thank you for sharing all your nuggets of gold um, and, and being such a big part of Night Hoops. Yes, absolutely. Oh, thanks, thank guys. you so much. Here are our last words from Amin this was nice you know because like i you know i i left you know i kind of wrapped it up i was hoping for like some crazy big season big you know um memorable event to 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 sign off on and then the pandemic hits and it's just like all right so i guess i'm resigning because like you know pandemic shut everything down but it it was good to kind of have this type of uh um conversation where we can talk about it and, and it's great to be with both of you who have been part of it along the way and um um yeah it was nice you know it, 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 leaving it in a quiet way but kind of have a, a nice wrap up and, and get to relive some fond memories was was really um you know just great thanks for that absolutely thank you uh, yes thank you what a what a special way to to conclude it like you said um this is what this platform was initiated for was uh Mm -hmm. the unprecedented times and so um glad it could be a part of this this journey for you as well so we'd like to thank our guest again Amin. it was a great conversation with him he had some great nuggets in there about inspiration about teaching about how he's just been ingrained in the basketball community and the and community centers and in uh in vancouver for so long so we'd like to thank him again and as we move into the end of our episode, we're going to get into myself and Kavita's kind of monthly inspiration. So I'll go first. So I've been reading Barack Obama's autobiography called A Promised Land. Um, I've been a huge fan so far. I'm like 100 pages in. It's awesome. I think he's, he's written a couple of the books, but this one is kind of all about right now. He's like leading up to uh, he's in his first campaign. Hmm. So trying to, he's running for president. And so it was all the stuff before that. And so I think I'm going to get a bit of a, some of his stories about what he's trying to do and all that different stuff. But um, a fun fact is, as we were just talking with Alan, he was talking about when he was being a programmer, he kind of felt like there was that void that he needed to fill um, to impact and help as many people as possible. And that is something that Barack Obama said exactly the same thing about him running for president. He was a senator before. And he was just talking about how he felt that he could make the most impact with the most amount of people by kind of moving up. So I'm not calling our guest the <laughs> president of the United States, but I'm saying there's uh, there's some uh, some similarities there. Some major connections. Um, I was even going to say how appropriate the book is. I'm sure he shares um, a lot of that or some maybe adversities that he's gone through mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of the definitely. career and definitely what I'm in talked about. Um, some of the most inspirational stories really getting to hear um, about people's adversities versus just what the successes were. So super cool that you're reading that book. Perfect timing too, to share it with our guests or our listeners. Um, How about you? 
For me, the one that I wanted to share today um, is the GIST sports. Um, so they're basically a sports media platform. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. You can follow them on Twitter. Um, they also have their website, thegistsports.com, and they've got a community you can join. So they send out newsletters, they do podcasts, um, but it's really cool uh, startup that basically creates sports content um, experiences and community and it's all by women um, for all sports fans so really cool to just kind of have um, one this media voice that is um, amplifying female voices um, and sort of a female perspective um, but also um, what's been really cool is some of their content are just really inspirational and it's usually females um, and and random content like I know a lot of people see like overtime and it's just you know random people getting dunks in um but imagine that kind of stuff um really athletic videos or really interesting perspectives um from the female voice um one of the posts that I had seen was was really cool about um Jenna Schroeder who's a actually a referee in the NBA a female mm -hmm. referee um, and just a post that they had done a few weeks ago, I think, um, or a few days ago was she basically, it was a quote from her that said, they say I'm the sixth female referee in the NBA. I just hope that one day we can stop counting. There won't be a number anymore. I'm just the norm. Um, so really cool. That's just basically awesome. a, yeah, just a different perspective. Um, that, that is some female representation inside the sports world. Um, so yeah, I, I love that as sort of a regular dose. I follow them and, and, uh, makes me si smile and, and feel heart warmed inside. <laughs> um, 100%. I just follow them. So we, I encourage everyone else to do the same. That sounds totally. awesome. Cool. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in another episode with us and, uh, we'll, be sharing this episode and all our future episodes the last Friday of the month. Stick with us. We appreciate you. Thanks, everybody. Tune in next time.